ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, you are on the sidelines with the sideline guys. I am your host, Dwayne Dickey, aka the Prince of Botch, to most of you guys who follow us there on the Life's of Botch podcast. And once again, I am joined by two very, very awesome brothers who are right now on the guest, and we're going to be covering, well, some good topics. We're going to actually be talking about that uh, three and four episode special right there of The Last Dance, you know, and talk about the juiciness that came in uh, on this very, very special edition of The Last Dance. So without further ado, let me welcome back to the show, Jaron. Happy to be back. I'm doing great. How you guys doing? Great, great. And of course, joined on this side, we've got brother Derek. Welcome to the show again, Derek. How you feeling? I'm good. I'm good. What's going on? Uh, man, you know, the same old, same old. Just happy to be uh, amongst family and having a good time on the sideline, guys, here. So... Without further ado, gentlemen, let's go ahead and get right into the topics of the show today. So we're covering The Last Dance, as everyone knows, episodes three and four that aired last Sunday. And uh, here we're going to give our thoughts and opinions on what we thought about these particular episodes. So if you haven't checked out our recap from the first two, be sure you go check out the last episodes and get our thoughts and opinions on what we thought about part one and two. But that's for another time. So like I said, go back and listen to those if you haven't already, because otherwise you're just listening to a spoiler right now. But in this case, episodes three and four, gentlemen, what were your initial thoughts that stood out to you as a whole from both parts of three and four? Man, that was a wild era in basketball. <laughs> I mean, like everything about it was just wild. Like I, I kind of knew a little bit about it. Like we always knew growing up, like, Dennis Rodman was a wild guy. Yeah. But I think this is kind of like made that a little bit more clear. Like, wow, this dude really was partying at the highest level and then going out and playing basketball at the highest level immediately afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that that was one probably the biggest takeaway for me. Yeah, that um I'll say the same thing. Um did you guys watch his documentary? Um 30 by 30 that they did on him yes very good yeah. I missed that yeah they 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 covered a lot of what um was covered in here but i think this took it a little, little step further um you know from a team perspective of what happened um i think it was very interesting I, like i said last episode i think um was probably the most underrated part about Phil Jackson is that he was able to to coach uh, personalities very well, and um, this this is this is a testament to that, you know, to to have a guy like Dennis Rodman go out and go to Vegas for forty eight hours and no one hears from him in that time, and then ninety six hours. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, yeah, it was more, yeah, <laughs> but. Um, but no, and no one hears from him. But he he comes back and and plays like nothing happened. You know, I think that that is uh, phenomenal, crazy but phenomenal. <laughs> Man, I'm telling you, like, did you guys? What did you think about the humor and and how they uh, addressed the whole Dennis Rodman situation? Did you guys enjoy that? There the way when he just was, you know, as Jordan's telling the story and you see, you know, Scotty and Phil and all of the players basically watching the video of Jordan talking about that particular moment where he asked to go on that 48 hour vacation and, and Jordan's trying to warn him and say, hey, 
I'm just letting y'all know he ain't coming back in 48 hours. Like, <laughs> you know, like, what did you guys think about that? Were you laughing or were you really just kind of like, wow, this this is a wild situation? I was laughing. Like, it's funny now to them because of like how everything transpired afterwards. Like, you know, he came back, he worked hard, they won. But I'm sure during that time frame, it was like the locker room was like, yo, you let our player go to Vegas for vacation? Like, what type of deal is this? Um, I think they're able to laugh about it now because, you know, it's 20 years later and, you know, there's really no no consequences from it. You know, had he gone on vacation, came back and struggled for three games and Mm -hmm. whatever, it would have been a much bigger issue. But because he came back, and remember, Mike picked him up out of his room and they came back to practice to do the the Indian runs and Mike tried to, like, look out for Dennis and say, hey, man, let's go slow with Dennis. (laughs) And Dennis is the – Three laps ahead of them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was funny. That was funny. I, I thought, I thought the, I thought those, those um things were funny too. But I think um, what was the probably the saddest part of it was that um, you know, they mentioned that that entire time that that uh Pippen was out, Rodman was you know fully engaged and and. You know, he was the guy that, that, that Jordan could lean on. But when Pippen came back, that's when he spiraled, you know, because even though it was their big three, he was the, you know, odd man out uh, with that duo. And he had to slide back to that third position, which kind of um, made him spin out a little bit. I thought that was probably the saddest part about it. Um, but... I can't help but admire uh, uh, Rodman. He, he, he something about him is like he, he can he can do the crazy things and still be a hundred percent focused, which I don't see how that's possible. He's authentic. He is. You gotta you, you gotta appreciate that. I think it's the same principle with like KD and Golden State. Like you know, no matter how much value you provide, you know you're still never their guy. So as soon as Scotty comes back, it's yeah. okay. Get in the back seat. As yeah. no matter how how good he is and how vital he is to their success, it's still like you know these are our two forces. You know, you just hop in the back for the rest of the way. <laughs> yeah, I, I think um, one of my favorite parts though was um, how he was talking about how he would train himself to get rebounds, and just have guys just shoot, and he would go, you know get the rebound and everything like that which helped him learn the angles of the bounce mm-hmm. that that was that was that was probably one of my very uh, my favorite aspects of that that episode that's the guy just knowing his role and, and yeah not caring like you know everybody wants to get buckets basically yeah. i'm gonna be the absolute best rebounder this league has ever seen and i'm not seven yeah. feet tall yeah that was that's that's the crazy part about it he was out rebounding everyone Man, he really was, and 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 that's why you still can debate really in the fact that he is arguably the best rebounder of all time, or one of the best of all time, depending on who you would put before or right there with Rodman in that class in that category. But it is interesting to know the things that we learned about Rodman that, as uh, Derek mentioned, that wasn't covered in his personal special. You know, uh, the things that they went in depth about. 
And uh, so, I mean, did as a team player, like, did, do you guys look at Rodman anymore, any less, compared to the two specials between what we saw in this part and what we saw in his 30 for 30? I just I respect him in the sense of for me as a former athlete, you know, playing pro baseball, like I know that I needed like seven to eight hours of sleep every single night. You know, being hungover wasn't even an option for me. And mm-hmm. to know the level which he was partying at and still being able to perform, it's you you say he's just rebounding, but like he's doing a lot for that team. He's performing at a high level. It's mm-hmm. just like it's remarkable. If I don't, if I don't get six hours of sleep now, you know, <laughs> personal training. <laughs> I feel that. Don't talk to me, man. Yeah. <laughs> uh oh. Uh oh. <laughs> I feel that, man. I, I I um, I actually have more respect for him um, now. I had a ton of respect for him before, but even more now, um, because of the the different things that they talked about. Um, that that he that he would do, and still be able to perform at that level. That's that's just insanity. I, I don't I don't I can't fathom being able to do all that. Yes, I can understand. Hold on, did, did anybody notice that they literally showed him drinking and driving? <laughs> yeah. Wait, anybody pay attention? I'm like, yo, what's going on right here? Wait, wh- wait, remind he, me. He's chugging a Miller Lite. Throws it on the ground afterwards, hops on a motorcycle, and just takes off. That's right. <laughs> Crazy, right? That's right. Dude, in Las on, Vegas. Man? In yeah. Las Vegas. Come on. That's right. Jesus. So, so much for what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, right? Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. Never that. Nah. <laughs> Especially if Michael Jordan is involved. You see him busting out all different types of secrets on this. Yeah, <laughs> got Carmen Electra. Got Carmen Electra talking about she hiding under the covers because she finds out Michael Jordan's at the door and is like, "Oh no, I don't want to see me in this state right now." Like, whoa, okay, <laughs> all right. <laughs> the one thing I do wish is, I wish this took place today, because they would get absolutely flamed for this oh, behavior yeah. today. Oh yeah, like Michael's. I mean, this is probably gonna come later. But, you know, Michael's going to Atlantic City during the Eastern Conference Finals and the playoffs to go mm-hmm. gamble for till 3, 4 o'clock in the morning. Nobody right. sees him because nobody has a camera phone back then. Like, I I wish this stuff happened today just to see, like, what would the backlash be? Or how would they behave if they know, okay, this will be on ESPN before I even leave the casino. You know? Well, we saw, we've seen part of that. You remember when um, Odell was on the boat during that bye week? Boats and hoes, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do remember that. Yeah. I do yeah, remember so, that. Yeah, so, so uh, you know, we've seen how that can impact a player when they lose. You know, it's, it's crazy because if, if, they, if they had lost any of those games or series like that, when, when those incidents happened, they would have gotten hammered. But I don't – Again, like you're saying, like happening in today's uh, uh, time, it'd have been ten times worse. Mm. Absolutely, it is interesting to think about these errors. I mean, that, it, it's funny that you brought that up, Jaron, because that's basically this entire documentary so far to this point. Even when we covered 
last with the first two episodes, we were saying a little bit of the same thing, actually. We were saying, imagine this Bulls team, everything we're finding out about them, just imagine that in today's era of social media. Mm-hmm. And, and could that team even still be a, like intact with social media in the fray back then? I don't know. Mm. <laughs> I mean, remember, like, they talked about, uh, you know, we, Odell got caught in somewhere in Europe with a girl and with oh, coke yeah. on the table. Mm-hmm. Like, allegedly. Allegedly, whatever. We saw the pictures. <laughs> <laughs> Just like, you know, Mike talked about his, his rookie year. He goes to the hotel room, like, and everybody oh, yeah. was doing coke. Yeah. If that was today, that would have been on somebody's Snapchat, Instagram story, live. Mm-hmm. And it's like, this this is what you guys are doing over here in Chicago? Yeah. Coach fired, strength coach fired, trades, release, all that stuff. Oh, yeah. Man, I'm telling you, that's it, it, it just goes to so, man. I mean, now, does any of this make you look at Phil Jackson in any different type of way as far as how he allowed most of his players to do? More specifically, it seems like the star players more than anything between the Rodmans, the Pippins, and the Jordans doing whatever they want to do and still coming through and practicing whatever. Like, we did see where, you know, Krause and them started to question Phil's uh, coaching for a while there with him having such freedom with his players. Um, do you guys agree or disagree in the freedom he gave his players? I know, I know like, in case of, like, sports, like, the star players always get uh, a bit more rope than anybody else. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's like they say, fair is not always equal. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think a, a little bit of it was a bit much, like, to allow a player to, to leave practice. And there's always this situation, like, our uh, personal matter. And it's, like, the wife or the kids or some something normal. Not like, hey, mm-hmm. I need to escape. Like, you're getting paid for this time. Yeah. You, you got you to gotta show up to work. Like, if I don't do a session... I don't get paid for it. You know what I mean? So, like, mm-hmm. the fact that he allowed it, it might have been a bit much, but, I mean, you can't really argue with the results. You know, Phil was there for, what, eight years and won six championships? Yeah. It's it's hard to be upset about that, but apparently that wasn't good enough for both Jerry's. Yeah. I, I um, yeah, you can't argue with it. I, I I understand how it looks. Um, it's definitely not conventional, but it got the job done. Because who knows what would have happened if uh, if Rodman was not allowed to have that time to himself. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like like what would have happened with 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 their their playoff chances and and going into the finals and all that stuff. Like what? How would that have impacted them? Um, I can't I really same, be mad. I think it's the same principle of like when Steph Curry pulls up from forty. Yeah. It's like twenty seconds on the clock. You're like, what the no? And it goes. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's the same situation. You're like, this like this better work. So mm-hmm. or else, <laughs> you know. So. Yeah, I agree with that. So, how did you guys overall enjoy? With the documentary so far from what we've seen in these four episodes, 
How have you guys felt about the throwback feel that you get from this? So, like, when you're hearing 80s music, you're hearing your LL Cool J's, you're hearing your Michael Jackson's, you're hearing, you know, your, your Prince theme songs playing in the background. Like, what kind of feel? Did it take you back like you guys were, like, literally living in, like, the mid-80s and early 90s? Um, I think you're getting a little bit of that feel. Like, I don't know if I thought too much into that about, you know, who the artists were at the time, but, like, it makes a lot of sense to me. I think the biggest thing with Phil is, like, he's really unconventional, and he's got the guys meditating, and it seems like he was probably, like, that stuff's now a big thing now. So he was probably 15, 20 years ahead of his time, where it mm -hmm. seemed crazy back then. Right now, you, you know, you got LeBron on the Calm app, and he's preaching meditation, and Mm -hmm. You know, all these alternative forms of, uh, you know, just trying to get, like, mental clarity. Like, Phil was there 15 years ago. <laughs> yeah. Mm. You know, so. Yeah. Yeah. No, it it did feel, it has felt uh, nostalgic in a way. Because uh, I remember, like, hearing a lot of that music as a kid, but also seeing a lot of those, um, a lot of those moments in basketball as well. Um it did take me back to that. Actually, it kind of took me back to uh, watching Space Jam as a kid as well, mm. oddly enough. Um, I don't know why. I, I don't know if it's it the it voice announcer, you know, when they're, when, when they're announcing um, the lineup or um, a lot of the camera angles, but it's, it just took me back to that moment watching uh, Space Jam. That's a good feel. That's a good feel. Which I'm sure we're going to see based off of that preview for the next couple of episodes. I'm pretty sure that's going to get covered a little bit going into this because now it's looking like the next few episodes are covering Michael's mainstream stardom at that point from commercials and endorsements and things of that nature. So that should be, uh, speaking of Space Jam, should be interesting going into the next part. But Currently, I would like to ask you guys, after learning more about Phil Jackson's upbringing in his particular special, after learning about where he came from, his background, things like that, how much more do you guys, how much more relatable do you think he was to Dennis Rodman and playing a role behind just relating to him? I, I knew none of that stuff about Phil in regards to him coaching, you know, in Puerto Rico and mm -hmm. ABA team and like I I really had no I, I don't know why I never thought about how it was that he became a head coach in the league I know he played for the Knicks back in the day but um he's they definitely have a similar approach of how they got to the league you know Dennis didn't really play basketball till sophomore junior high school and then he went to some small college and grinded his way to the league it was the same principle as uh as Phil which was you know remarkable he didn't have the traditional route of you know GM and or player development guy who became uh he he really he came from the trenches. So that was <laughs> yeah. You know that was shocking on on my end. Yeah, I I didn't I didn't know any of that either. Um. And to to show uh Phil's uh background and 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 all that stuff. It kind of makes sense as to why he and and Dennis um, kind of gelled. Um, I I it takes someone that's different to be able to be able to uh, uh, manage 
all these this this wild spectrum of personalities. So it kind of makes sense that he and and and, and Phil were able to get along anyway. Um, but I definitely didn't know they were that close. I agree because it was funny when they asked Phil about his first experience in meeting Dennis, because even when they talk about Dennis and his free agency status and, and Krauss not even really wanting to go after Dennis, but then they were like, Hey, no, go after this guy. I'm telling you, like put him around two leaders, like Scottie Pippen and Michael Jordan. And trust me, this guy is going to be great. We know he's a hothead. We know he's out there. He's wild, but trust me, he's going to be great. So to see, you know, uh, I found it funny and what I found interesting, I don't know if you fellas noticed, but I found it interesting how when Phil talked about his first meeting with Dennis, he was like, oh, it was horrible. <laughs> yeah. You know, he wasn't, he was, he was dressed all kind of ways, but yet Krause said the very same thing about Phil because when they wanted to hire yeah. him, he wasn't really dressed appropriately either. So they passed on him, but then they ended up coming back to him because Krause was at that time still close to Phil to where he was like, hey, dressed this way, and then that second time around, he was dressed the way they asked him to dress and then ended up getting the job as the coach. So how did, how did that stand out to you guys? Any? That's a good point. Um, there's a little different difference. Like, Phil was dressed like a hippie. Dennis is like, what up, bro? Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, like, not really caring too much. Like, Phil's personable. He's just like, you know, not standing up or to greet a, you know, you learn these lessons, you know, you stand up with somebody in your eye, firm handshake, then sit on the couch, like, what up? What you want? I guess I'll play for you. You know what I mean? So, like, <laughs> there's levels of being nonchalant, and Dennis is at the highest level of being nonchalant. You know what I mean? But they both, you know, they both need a little bit of coaching to kind of, like, smooth out the rough edges that they had to come, come to the table with. Yeah, I kind of uh, think they're a little bit of same, uh, a little bit of the same. Um Maybe not as wild and outlandish for um, for Jackson, but they're they're not guys that that buy into the status quo. You know what I'm saying? Um, and I think that aspect, that that rebellious aspect, is something that draws them together. So it kind of makes sense. Hmm. I totally agree with that. It does make sense if you look at that. And so I guess what we would transition to from that thought is let's talk about the coaching while we're still talking about Phil Jackson. And let's talk about what it was with that transition, because going into the special, as we were learning about Phil, we were finding out at that time where you still had Collins as the coach. And we saw that the Bulls were still very competitive. However, they were still a young, up-and-coming team. And we saw where they were coming through some things. And we saw where Jordan and them, they decided, you know, management was like, we're going to move on and we're going to go to Phil. Jordan had a hard time with that at first. Let's, let's talk about what were your thoughts on them mentioning how Jordan didn't like being under Phil Jackson at first and how hard it was for him to embrace the whole triangle offense angle. What were your, what were your thoughts on that fellas? I wasn't surprised at all. You got a, a wild, crazy dog and you want to tell the dog, Hey, it's time to sit, sit in the corner and we're going to watch TV a little bit. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, 
Jordan want to go out there and score 40 every night. I mean, try to convince him, say, hey, listen, you know, our team will be better serving you scoring 28, getting a couple more assists, so on and so forth. That's what's going to allow us to take that next step and get past Boston, get past Detroit, so on and so forth. That takes a lot of buying into uh, for a star player that could be like, yeah, I'm, I'm okay with this. And to not flex their muscle and tell management, say, hey, yo, get this guy out of here. He, he's stifling my game, you know. And I was thinking about it earlier. I was like, who would Michael Jordan be without Phil Jackson? And I'm yes. Like, He'd be James Harden. Yeah. A guy that can absolutely go out there and get you 35, 40 points a night. But, you know, I don't want to throw shade at James Harden, but, like, you know, he's out of the playoffs in the second round. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that could have been Mike's trajectory if Phil doesn't come in and convince him that the triangle is the way to go. And, you know, we're having maybe this documentary isn't made because Mike only has one ring that he got in year 11. You know what I mean? So it's a uh, it took a lot of growing for Mike to be able to buy into that. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. That's a that's a very valid point. Um, Because you see, uh, he definitely didn't want to he didn't want to pass or, any, or, or anything like that. But. The I think the the moment when it 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 hit was when uh, Phil told him you know asked him who's open he said John pass it <laughs> mm-hmm. and he yeah. kept passing it and 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 they won you know uh, that's actually same thing that happened with um uh, when KD was in 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 uh, Golden State Steve mm-hmm. Kerr told him the same thing I forget which series they were in or what game that was but uh told him basically the same thing like you have yep. to be able to trust your your teammates in order to 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 win you're still going to get your shots you know just trust the guys around you and I, I i agree with that i think phil was was definitely a big big reason why he was able to win be able to buy into that into that uh mindset of being able to just trust your teammates. And and it's good that Jaron brought up that question when he asked about Jordan, because that's what I was going to ask you fellas is what exactly is the difference between Jordan under Doug Collins and Jordan under Phil Jackson? Hmm. You have a guy just, you know, because both teams were winning teams. Right. But you got to realize, you know, the difference between the difference between the the number one team and number four team is very minimal. You know, mm-hmm. if we look at uh, let's look at some most recent champions, right? The difference between the the Cavs and the Warriors, you know, both teams got two to three superstars. Who's got the better bench? Well, the Warriors got Sean Livingston, they got Iguodala, they got Zaza, or whatever, right? Yeah. And you got the Cavs who have uh, Jr. Varejao and whatever, or yeah. Del- Delvadova. Yeah. <laughs> give, me, give, me, give me Iggy and Sean Livingston. All right. Like, right. You know? Okay. Okay. So I think it's uh, you know, just grooming those those second tier players on your team to be able to say, hey, listen, you know, a big big shot's gonna come your way, and I need you to have the confidence to knock that shot down. 
you know, when the ball comes to you with five seconds left. You know, Mike, he said, I don't, I don't want Bill Cartwright to have the ball with five seconds left. I want the ball. Well, mm-hmm. you know, Hashley made a couple couple threes, and Kerr made a couple of threes. So now that the whole floor is open up for you, instead of us saying, okay, let's just stop him. Or, you know what, let him get 45 points tonight. As long as we win, we don't care. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah, no, I agree with that. It's um I think I think Doug was was good in being able to get him um motivated. Mm-hmm. Well, not really motivated, but I think it was he was instrumental in being able to uh to help him uh learn the next phase of the game, but also being able to um to be able to show the organization how to build around Michael. Um, Cause he played, he, he, he coached Michael first, everyone else. And they, once they built that team properly around Michael, there was no stopping them, you know? So I think it kind of go, goes hand in hand that, you know, the, 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 the coaching, but also the, the, the right, players around him with the with the right mindset because you see how how michael was able to pick apart some of those players like if you if you don't have that if you don't have that right mindset you got to go same way that kobe did if you don't have that that mindset of, of wanting to win this and go and, and 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 do everything you need to time to go um so i think that uh i actually think doug helped the organization uh, for the years after him in terms of showing them the right type of players that need to be around Michael. Hmm. That's a very good concept there. That's a good concept. Yeah. Because again, it's like you have to, in some cases I asked that question because you have to give Doug Collins his credit for what he did before Phil got there because I feel like a lot of times Phil gets more of the credit because he got them the rings. Almost kind of like the Mark Jackson and Steve Kerr effect. You know, everybody remembers the Warriors for Steve Kerr more so than they do for Mark Jackson, albeit Mark Jackson kind of got a young Warriors team up to <laughs> where they were by the time Steve Kerr walked into the situation, if it makes sense. Man, that dinner was made, and Steve just got to plate it. Yeah. <laughs> that thing was... Assembled already, and you know I think yeah. I think uh, Steph Curry isn't Steph Curry without Mark Jackson because mm, oh he's not not too many coaches. I mean now he can go wherever he wants and be who he mm-hmm. is, mm-hmm. but as a young player and a coach to give you the green light, say hey man, if you feel like pulling up for thirty seven, do it. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like mm, and yeah. you know okay. those uh those elevator door uh, screen plays they run like. Mark was really instrumental in creating that the way the game is played in general right now. I would say that's a yeah. good thought. Yeah, yeah I, like, I agree I like with that. that. I have to agree with it too. I'm not gonna lie. It's it's, it's definitely said, man. I just you know I gotta give uh, credit out there to our, our, our coaches that kind of paved the way for the uh, you know winning coaches. You know the coaches that were also winning but may not have gotten the championship, but then that same team. You know, switches coaches all of a sudden, wins championships, and it's like, hey, got to give credit to the coach before that one. All right, gentlemen, so let's transition and let's talk about Scottie Pippen. 
we got to find out more about that storyline that was going on with the contract situation and him passing on with the injury. And so we found out that uh, he was going back and forth in an exchange of wits and words, just dogging Jerry Krause. Gentlemen, what were your thoughts on what he was doing? Ooh, it's a bit loaded. Um, <laughs> because I didn't really like the initial quote of, I'm not going to get surgery because I'm not going to let them fuck my summer up. Because... Mm. That would not fly at all today. Oh, um, no. <laughs> but by the second, by the other side of the coin, you got to realize, okay, Scotty's realized this is a business. So you're going to play the game, you're going to shop me, and I'm going to play the game and keep myself not for sale to a degree by, you know, showing people that I, I'm not recovered yet. So if you do trade for me, you know, I'm going to miss 40 games or so. Do you really want to part with one of your top-tier players or a draft pick for me. Um, so I understood both sides. And Jerry Krause, I don't like him at all. <laughs> had, had eight, nine days, I realized this guy is no good for basketball. I mean, I know he assembled a team, but it's like the same thing with Robin. Robin knows his place. Jerry, learn your place. You are not a player. You do not win the championships. You play a part in it, but you do not go out there. You clearly don't sweat ever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, oh, you wow. Any, you don't do any physical activity. <laughs> play the back and let us play the game. You know? So mm. uh, I, I get both sides. I get both sides, you know? So it's, it's, I'm conflicted there. Yeah, no, I I have to agree with you again. Um, I don't I don't I don't see how that would fly today at all. But um, I understood. I definitely understood Pippin's side of it. Um, I guess even to an extent, I I understand uh, Krause's side. Um, I think that was just a weird predicament that they were in. You know, I think that yeah, was very okay. weird. Yeah, it was it was and and really no one even won it. <laughs> it is it's just it was just weird. It was very weird, but um to to see how how uh Rodman stepped up in that moment, I I I give him a ton of credit for that. You know, that that's that's um especially with the way he played, you know, how 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 um Care, not careless, but how how much he did not care how much pain he took. Like he wanted to be in the trenches. He wanted, yeah. Yeah, he he wanted to take those shots. He wanted to bleed. Um, you know, doing that all the time. That that's that's a that's a lot. And especially when you're now looked at as the the guy that that Jordan has to has to lean on. You know, in the, in those moments. Um. That's a lot. So he, I think he, he he definitely deserves a ton of credit for doing that, too. And so with with Pippen, let's talk about the fact that he basically was Kobe before Kobe with the whole uh, bait situation of threatening and wanting to leave Chicago. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, first <laughs> off, are you guys uh, I don't I, unless there was something I missed, I don't recall seeing the fans boo him or anything. But are you surprised 
that the city of Chicago didn't boo Scotty for really wanting to leave Chicago and saying, I would never want to play here for his organization again and all of these things. And just, again, demanding trades and being in the media and forcing Jordan to be asked this question millions of times of, hey, what what do you think about Scotty wanting to leave and all of these things? Like, what were you guys' thoughts on that entire situation and storyline that was going on with this team at that time? I mean, I think it's – I think – people understood what was going on and what the root of the displeasure was. It wasn't so much, I don't like the Bulls. I don't like the city of Chicago. It's like, I don't like the situation. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And it's like, okay, they're not going to get rid of him. I can't deal with him, so get rid of me. Right. You know what I mean? Because I, I just can't tolerate him that much. So, I mean, it wasn't, I don't think it was anything that was personal mm-hmm. with the, uh, with the city of Chicago or the fan base, you know, it's more like, hey, we can't work together, so somebody's got to go, and if it's not him, it's me. Yeah, and I think that um, I think the fans actually understood it um, because, you know, when when Kraus came out and and said that this was it, like beginning of the season, mm-hmm. he, he he put that that pressure on the team, you know, like whether win or lose this is it so i I, i'm pretty sure that the fans understood pippen is one of the the best players in the league Mm -hmm. he's severely underpaid um who's who's going to actually blame him for for not wanting to put his body on the line and not get money and not get paid the way he should be paid you know I don't think that anyone really blamed him for it. So I wasn't too shocked that um, that the fans didn't, from what we've seen, the fans weren't bullying him or anything like that. I'm not too shocked by that. It's just, um, it's a sad situation. Yeah. Because like Michael said, they, they should have been able to have the opportunity to defend uh, their, their, their title. They they should have been able to have that opportunity until they could not defend no more. Those twelve years, those twelve years. Yeah. <laughs> so exactly. So the wheels fall off. You know? Yeah. So the wheels fall off. Exactly. Yeah. Prematurely they fell off. But and 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 I agree with you fellas on that situation, and that's why I wanted to also transition and ask this question: With Scotty and Michael, do you think that same principle applies to why their relationship still managed to be so tight, even through all of what went on in that situation? Wait, say that again? So, given the fact the answer that you guys just gave about the fans, do you think that also is the same case of why Michael and Scotty's relationship didn't deteriorate during this time because of what happened and what Scotty was going through, causing Jordan to kind of be out there afloat by himself and rely on guys like Rodman? Do you think, you know, that situation, do you think Jordan still somewhat understood it enough for it not to mess up their dynamic duo, if you will? Well, I mean, he was not, he wasn't on board. He was clearly upset about it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's easy to be upset at somebody when you're making 33 million and they're making two. <laughs> like, why, why don't yeah. you come to work? It's like, well, you're getting paid 16 times more than me, dude. Yeah. <laughs> you want me to? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think after, you know, he, he got back and, you know, they got into the, the swing of the, you know, the, the tail end of the season and the playoffs, I mean, I think it was always forgiven. Um, yeah. You know, they, they struggled early on. You know, they're like a 500 team for a pretty significant portion of the season. 
mm-hmm. and then eventually like they kind of got the got the wheels turning the right way. But uh, I mean, it's one of those things in sports. You know, you brothers fight, teammates fight, and then you know, a couple hours, couple days go by, and it's kind of like, yo, on to the next one. Yeah, I I um I will say it is a bit interesting that um that their relationship didn't take a hit like that because as you see <laughs> he still holds a grudge against Isaiah Thomas yeah but not shaking his hand <laughs> exactly. exactly so i guess you know i'll say i guess from from that perspective it is very interesting that that they were able to um to still keep that that tight relationship but you, you you're going to when you um when you go to war with someone like that, you're you're gonna still be tight like that. Um, especially for all for for being so historically, that's you have two three peats. You know, at, at, there's nothing you can't say anything bad about that. This well, I mean, true. they they had to uh, they had to forgive each other to a degree. Mm-hmm. It's either we're gonna hate each other the rest of the year and and sacrifice. What we have, you know, our hands on, or we're gonna, you know, move forward and, you know, make the best of what we what we have left. Um, yeah. But you know, Mike is a uh, like you say, he's clear clearly not happy with Isaiah Thomas to this day. <laughs> Thirty years later, it's like, come on, dude, like, come let's on. move on. From this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, man. I'm telling you. So yeah. let's transition and let's go back to Rodman because as you guys well put that while Scotty was going through all of this with management basically Rodman had to step it up and then of course we saw uh, Scotty comes back and it was kind of like back to being a third wheel stepchild all of that good stuff now automatically I started thinking about your Kevin Loves your Chris Boshes and and you know just all of the to some degree, maybe a Draymond, but not really. I won't include him in that, honestly. But, <laughs> but how hard is it after we saw that transition? How hard is it to be a third wheel on a championship team? If you think about it, Rob McKinder was a couple rings, right? And he was never the, the headliner. You know, it was right. always Isaiah and the Pistons. Mm-hmm. Um, even in San Antonio, he was never, you know, it was Dave, Dave Robinson's team. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was more like falling back in line, not like a, a Michael Jordan becoming the third wheel for the the Celtics or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, that, yeah. Robin was used to that. You know, he said he wants to bleed. Like, no, no real number one guy is willing to, you know, be – taking charges and diving for loose balls. It's a little bit of a prima donna-ish uh, mentality to them, but, like, he's the nasty dog on that team. So he, yeah. he goes right back to what he knows best. Hmm. Yeah. Um, I think when when you're that type of player that um, that buys into that role, it's not hard for you to, to be able to, to do that. You know, because you see, even back when he was playing in high school, he was just he just went out there to play. He 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 loved he played for the love of the game. It wasn't about being seen or being the the guy um, that they built around. It was just 
he went out there and he did his job, whatever that job was. And I, I think when you have people that that's why you have guys like Chris Bosch that were able to uh, uh, accept that role. You know, of course, it, it's hard when you when you go from being the star to being the 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 supporting cast, but that role is important. It's just as important as a star. You know, um, you don't have champions without people being able to buy into their role. Yeah. So I I, I think that's that's vastly important. I think, you know, I have a ton of respect for those roles. Um, you know, I, so I don't think it's hard when you're able to buy in. I just think it's hard when you don't have the ability to buy in. Mm, okay. Yeah, remember, Rodman, Rodman truly loves the game of basketball. And I forget which episode, three or four, but he did say, I'll play the game for free, but I need you guys to pay me for this exactly. other nonsense. Yeah. The, the media and the interviews yeah. and so on and so forth. Like, either like, I love the game of basketball. I'll play this for free. Mm-hmm. But I need money to deal with the media. Yeah. 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 You, you, and, and you see how it is when, when you can't buy into it. Like, look at Kyrie Irving. When you can't buy into being able to support someone that is, you know, obviously <laughs> the yeah. guy. Yeah. You know, you want to run off and go take that role for yourself. You see how that works. It doesn't work. And then, the, and then the Celtics lose. Hey, man, look. The Celtics lose. <laughs> you know the what? Net, the Nets lose. Listen. I mean, <laughs> every team is on losing. We, we, we lost. You, it's okay. It's all right. It's all right. We, we did see the Lakers lose in this documentary, so that, that always warms my heart oh. when I see the Lakers lose. Oh, wait a minute. So are you <laughs> no. telling me right now? Oh, this, wait, man. Is this rivalry 2.0? <laughs> Why wasn't I informed of this? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. We're in another oh, round. Wait a minute. Wait. Wait. The rivalry is renewed. Wait. It's not just Cowboys and Eagles. It's Celtics and Lakers. Oh, my goodness. That Cowboys and Eagles one is going to go a little deeper. It, it, gets, it, gets, it gets nasty there. I don't I don't deal with those guys at all. I'm okay with the Celtics for the most part. Oh, oh man. Them Eagles, though. Yeah. Oh, oh man. You've got to love it. Okay. All right. That is good. That is yeah. good. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, that being said, let's – um. Wow, I almost lost my train of thought on this one because that just that totally threw me completely for a loop, ladies and gentlemen. But we're coming back. We're coming back. We're coming back. So, all right. Let's go ahead and let's talk about – I have a, a very good question for you guys, actually. How would the game of basketball be today if the Jordan rule still existed? They couldn't. Yeah. You guys are fouled out by the second quarter. Yeah. But based off what we saw, that wasn't the case with the Pistons because they got away with a lot of that. Oh, no. I mean, the, the so game of that still like if it, Exactly. So the, the hypothetical question there is, if today's, as we see, today's players are very well protected. So therefore, if none of that was the case and everything we saw in the 80s with that very Jordan rule existed right now with every player we see, how different would the game be? Ooh. 
if you look at those finals games, those are like ninety to eighty six. Yeah. You know, I think the 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 Cavs and the Warriors played a game like one twenty three to one sixteen. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so I mean, it'd be a, a lot less scoring. I mean, I think the game is played different in the sense of it's stretched. You know, you you got to pick up a full ninety four feet now because you know you got. Logo Braun, Logo Dane, you know, mm-hmm. Steph pulling up from wherever he feels like it. Um, but, uh, I mean, I'll, I'll say that the scores would be a little bit higher just because the game is stretched out. But uh, it'd be interesting to see, you know, guys come into lane to get an elbow in the chest and just uh, play ball, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you know okay. what? I don't think that a lot of these players that are playing right now would uh, either be in the league or as great as they are. Hmm. Okay, there's a hot take for you but, right there. I have, a question, <laughs> I, have, I have a question about that. Uh-huh. I think the league is as skilled as it's ever been now. now Skill-wise, I, yes, but physicality-wise, no. Because you got to so, remember, that's where those role players took effect back then. Those role yeah. players were literally... Role players more so for the fact they could beat you up. Yeah. Um, I think, the, like I said, I think the game of the basketball is more skilled now. So, I mean, you know, I think we're talking about let's bring those rules from back then mm-hmm. to today. Well, I'm like, yo, let's bring those players today. Who would a Bill Lambeer be Oof. in today's times? You know what I mean? Without the physicality? Yeah, you got to move your feet. And you got to be athletic, mm-hmm. and you got to, you know, you can't just chin check somebody and mm-hmm. do that six times a game or twelve times a game and only get called for four of them. You know. No, I I agree with that, but that that's that's why I say I the if 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 we have physicality in today's game, there would be a lot of guys that would not be able to make it, at least not as historic as they are right now. Sure. I it's just. Like, you know, I know I'm gonna I'm gonna catch hell for this. Come on, bring it out. Oh boy, go ahead, bring it out. <laughs> That's right. We on the sidelines. Bring it out, baby. <laughs> no, we going we going to the 50 yard line. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> go LeBron, ahead. LeBron would not be LeBron with the physicality. Steph for that that part might not be fully Steph with the physicality. When when you don't when you're not able to to put hands on people when you can't touch them and they can do whatever, of course it's going to be an inflation in points and scoring in records. It's going to be an inflation, you know. Um, which I, I'm not saying that those guys could not play in the in 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 those other eras. I think they could have, but when when you're not being touched, it's just going to be inflated. So is he like is LeBron like Penny Hardaway, if he's playing in like 1994 or something like that? Hmm. I don't think that's a bad comparison. Just I mean, just well, just more healthy. Penny Hardaway was like a top 50 player. Like I'm not, I'm not, but he... I'm not. I'm saying, but what I'm telling you, I'm not. I don't. I don't think that those guys could not could not play well in those eras i'm i just don't think you're you're seeing crazy stats from those guys in those eras um the way we're seeing in this era i i, I don't see that well here's here's my point to that right and, and we're going to circle back 
to Scottie Pippen to a degree, right? So mm-hmm. guys, like I said, the league is as skilled as it's ever been um, during any era, right? Guys in the Aussies, they literally fly to either Chicago, L.A., Miami, Houston, New York, wherever it may be, and mm-hmm. they train all summer. Right. right? Mike just said one year said, you know, man, Pistons beat me up. I got to get stronger. Mm-hmm. Well, guys have been getting stronger since they were 16. You know, these guys, for the most part, have been strength training for the, for the past 10, 12, 15 years of their lives. So right. it's kind of hard for me to say that, like, I think the players in that era would have a struggle, a bigger issue coming into today's game than if we brought the rules from that time into today's game. And with that being said is, okay. Michael Jordan was, let's look at uh, Michael Jordan's, uh, the teams he beat in the finals, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which of those teams could beat like the, the 2007-8 Spurs? Which of those teams could beat any of the Warrior teams? None of them. Certainly not. Certainly not the Sonics. <laughs> certainly, certainly right? Certainly not the Jazz. Yeah. yeah. Right? Certainly not the Suns. Mm-hmm. And he beat the like Magic retired because he had HIV after Jordan beat him. Right. So he Mike didn't beat Showtime. He didn't beat Kareem and Worthy. He beat mm-hmm. Magic and, you know, a couple other guys. They're good, but they, they, they weren't premier. So my point is, right, I want to see those guys play in today's era. I want to see them have to guard a, a Zach Levine, who is like an afterthought in today's time, but would literally put up 40 in that time frame if he could play back then. <sighs> um. Interesting you use a modern-day bull to get that one there. <laughs> I just, as a bull fan, I have to point that out right there. I have to point that out. Yeah, of all the names I expected him to say, he said Zach Levine. That's interesting. But okay, continue. Continue there. No, I mean, um, Derek, what do you take? I, I, um, I see where you're going. Uh, I see where you're going because it sounds like, well, correct me if I'm wrong. But it sounds like you're you're going into uh, Michael Jordan's finals were lesser than LeBron's finals. Is that what you're? Okay. What was his road to the finals versus LeBron's road? LeBron had to beat he beat the Bad Boys 2.0. He beat the Big Three Celtics. Uh, the first time, God, uh, who else? Beat a, the Atlanta Hawks, who had the best record in the league one year. He's uh, LeBronto taking care of them. Um, what's, what's your point? There's been only three teams that in the playoffs that LeBron has faced when he was in the East. There were only three teams that, that gave him a problem. It was the Celtics. Uh, the Pacers and the Bulls. Oh God! I, he lost. He lost to the Magic one year too. I'm not. I'm not oh. saying. That, I'm not saying that that 
there weren't teams that he lost to. But I'm saying there were only three teams that he had like hard battles against, and those weren't even in the same year. Those were like one every other year. <laughs> and, you, and you know what? I will I will give credit to that Magic team because they were all bigger mm-hmm. in size than LeBron because everybody on that team was ridiculously tall, including Dwight Howard, who was incredibly athletic. So had that team stayed intact, that would have been another team on the list. But they didn't stay intact long enough to really be a part of that list. Those Pistons didn't stay around long enough because they were in a transition period. I think they were on the older end when they kind of started giving LeBron problems more so than their prime end. Uh, Tayshawn Prince and Chauncey Bills are both uh, all-defense all that year. That year they were, but they were starting to somewhat decline. Or it was before before they started breaking that team up. Because I think they prematurely broke them up a little bit. Possibly. I know, I mean, know Tayshawn stay, stayed on that team for a pretty long time. I remember before he came to Memphis, he was on that team. He was like the last one standing on that Pistons team that gave LeBron a hard time. But they weren't really intact long enough either to really give LeBron the time that they gave him. But he did. They were a nice obstacle for him for a while in him learning how to win. I, w- I do remember that time. And also, remember, years two through four for Mike, he made the playoffs with, like, either a sub or, like, one or two games above 500 record. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, but I'm talking about, like, now, who, How are you making years. it to the play- – oh, hold on. How – we're talking about the East is cupcakes now. How is the East allowing a team <laughs> that's nine games below 500 to make the, the playoffs? How, how does that work? Hey, I, I, I can't disagree with you on it. I can't disagree with you on it. The the, the East was um, easier to get through, um, but I think I think you know. Are we talking? Of, are we talking back then? Certainly not. The East was the West back. Then. No, yeah, the no, East was the West back is, then. How do you get into the playoffs? You know, the East can't. It ain't that deep. It's top heavy. You got two teams at the top. Mm-hmm. You got the Celtics and you got the uh, the Pistons. And then, you know, the Bulls came in in the AC and they lose to freaking uh, Larry Bird in, uh, in the first round. Yeah. So my point is, like, you know, you shouldn't even be allowed in the playoffs. You certainly wouldn't make it today, eight games below 500. Yeah. No, I agree with that. But if we're, talk- if we're still talking the East, in Jordan's case, yes, you would. Yeah. Because that That's Jordan's how- team back then definitely would have made the East of today. The East was definitely stacked. Today is just now getting that back to that that mm-hmm. semblance of of a you know level of competition. But I mean, I'll agree that over the last what twenty some odd years, it's been it's been weaker than the East. I mean, the West. But I think Michael Jordan had a lot more competition in the East because of that. That that that's what I'm saying. Like, I think uh, LeBron had three teams the entire time he was in the East that really gave him a fit, and it was the Celtics, Bulls, and Pacers. Um, and that that's what I'm saying. Like, when you're talking about whether LeBron could play play in uh, Jordan's era and succeed versus Jordan playing in, in LeBron's era and succeeding, 
I, I give I give Jordan the 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 huge edge in that. Um, not saying that LeBron wouldn't be able to 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 win anything, but I think it would be easier for Michael Jordan in this era versus LeBron in that era. I'm gonna give Mike. I'm gonna give LeBron the edge in the sense of we see LeBron go against wings that are six six, six nine, six ten, so on and so forth. Danny Ainge, you know, those, those guys back then were not nearly as athletic as they are today. So, you know, Mike's getting past guys, getting past Craig Elo, Ron Harper, mm-hmm. so on and so forth. Like, I think we're downplaying the athleticism and how much of an impact that has on getting a clear look at the basket, getting a clear shot off, you know, getting to the rim, so on and so forth. Yeah. No, athleticism has has definitely like, plays a part in it. I'm gonna give more value to athleticism than I'm gonna give to, you know, bully ball. I can see your perspective. I don't agree with it, but I can I can see it. I'd ha- I'd have to agree with Derek on that one because I can see the perspective, but I can't agree with it. Given the fact that it seems like athleticism wasn't always what was important back then. Well, not even Agreed. just that. I, I, I think that when when you're talking about guys that aren't athletic, that can, like like you said, uh, Lambeer, who's a guy who's not athletic, but can swing on you midair, like, you know, and, and, and they don't they don't get called for any type of fouls uh, with, with that. I think it's just hard to be able to get through that, you know? I, I get think, that. I respect that. But I me, mean, I'm just like, you know, think about it, you know, a guy like Scottie Pippen, who was, you know, probably the second best player in that in that time frame, mm-hmm. doesn't want, quote unquote doesn't want his summer fucked up. Well, shit, what was Bill? <laughs> what was Bill Cartwright doing? What was Danny Ainge doing? What was, are these guys in the gym four or five hours a day? You know, getting shots up, lifting weights, you know, running. That's a good sprints. point. You know, like I see Dion Waiters out here getting after it in the offseason. I see Vic. I seen John Wall, you know, coming down here for the for the uh, summer and getting after for you know two to three months before they go back to training camp. Like, mm-hmm. and these but, are guys that aren't even putting the top fifty in today's time. Like, I, I like John Wall when he's healthy. But like, these are like the second, third tier of players in the league mm-hmm. getting after it today. And you have a guy that was at the top. You know, Carl Malone was doing WWE at a at a point in his basketball career. Mm-hmm. With Rodman. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you want me to give value. To, uh, look, I'm not saying that they're scrubs, but you want me to tell me that that ever is, uh, is a better brand of basketball than today? I think I they both have their strengths and weaknesses. Vince McMahon and Stone Cold Steve Austin <laughs> versus guys that are coming out to Miami and working with Remy Workouts, working with you know, different strength and conditioning uh, coaches. You know, these guys mm-hmm. are these guys are getting after. They take their craft very seriously. And but you got you know Scottie Pippen and the mailman, you know, kicking it all summer. <laughs> well, I mean, just like we said earlier, um, technology being different now versus back then. I, I I think that we have the ability to see more now. Because everyone has a 
has a phone with a camera on it so you can yeah. show more. Um, I don't think that necessarily negates the idea that those guys weren't putting in that work, you know? Um, but I will, I will agree that, that both eras have their strengths and weaknesses. Sure. Um, I'm not, I'm not going to necessarily say that, that the, the, the eighties and nineties were, uh, they definitely weren't weaker than than today i don't think that when you account for athleticism that today is necessarily that much weaker than than the 80s and 90s i just think that when when you take into account of of each era's strengths and weaknesses this era is better than that era in certain ways and that era is better than this era in certain ways you know but I again I, I think I think guys from from that era could have played in this era more so than guys from from this era playing in that, that era. Ooh, Ugh, I gotta I gotta disagree with that one. But I mean, <laughs> I gotta mm. disagree with that one. I mean, I think Bill and Beer gets fried in today's era. Well, yeah, yeah, and I think I Justin Winslow was a freaking top twelve player in the league. Back then, <laughs> I don't know. Um, I, I think that I think there are a lot of players that t- today that could. Um, but I think that there's just more from that era that could that could trans translate that could play in both eras versus today who could play in both eras. I just think there's a there's a there's more. One more thing that t- turned me off about that era was back to episode one was uh. Mike saying he walked into the room. You got, you got the entire Bulls team is in one hotel room, coked up. Yeah. So what were, what were what were the Pistons doing? What were the 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 Warriors doing? What were the the? I mean, I'm sure the freaking uh, the Nets and the Knicks were. Oh yeah, they were coked up. They were loaded. They had so to we be. Got, well, we got we got well, we got Mike, the one dude that decides to work out, don't drink, don't <laughs> smoke, don't do coke. Uh, playing a bunch of bunch of coke heads. Ah, uh, so now uh, you're going. You, oh, this is this is layered, man. This is, this is, is layered. I, I I got real concerns about that era, man. These guys I mean, like the party. Come on, in, in, man. In, in, I mean, in comparison, in, in, in fairness, that was every sport because oh, of no, the time frame. Sure. I mean, it was the '80s. That was the era of when that stuff was. LT I mean, was doing it 100. percent Yep. Mm-hmm. LT, I mean, heck, even entertainers were doing it. Actors, yeah. musicians, mm-hmm. you know, like that was just something that was undeniable for anybody in any era at that time. I mean, because if we gonna throw that factor, we might as well just be like, can, oh well, can, can I get nobody's better than some coke heads? <laughs> <laughs> can, you, can you get Paul George and Kawhi some coke and let them go a seven game series with LeBron? <laughs> Well, that's the only way that LeBron will win, right? Oh man, here you mm. go, here you go. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just at. I just want the, the the playing field leveled out, man. That's all I want. You know, I might get to play against cokeheads, and my got to play against cokeheads. Uh, he doesn't get to play against cokeheads. He just gets to play with the people who are savages and sleep with his mom. 
Oh, oh my God! Jesus <laughs> Christ! I did not see that coming. Oh man, that came out of And <laughs> that, ladies and gentlemen, is your hot take for the oh, sideline guy. You heard it here first. <laughs> Oh my Man, god. That one came out of left field. <laughs> I mean, I had to. It just kind of was set up. It was like, okay, let's set it up then. Yeah. <laughs> out the ballpark, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> On that note, we shall transition oh. to our true or false portion of the show. Oh, and that being said, <laughs> all right, guys. So, by transitioning, I've got some true or false questions for you. And Feel free to give your takes on what you feel about these. So, first true or false question. <clears throat> the Bulls are more invincible with a guy like Dennis Rodman on the team. True. Very true. You need that dog. Yeah. <laughs> you need that dog. I mean, yeah. without... That's without, gas on the fire. Yeah, yeah. With, without that dog, I don't I don't see how, how they would have won, at least... Not as many. Okay. I can give you that. They would have won, but not as many. I can give you that, definitely. So that is definite, 100% true, very much so. So the next true or false question for you guys is, the Bulls wouldn't have won championships if the triangle offense wasn't embraced. Uh, they wouldn't have won any? Any. False. Yeah, I, I don't I don't say any, but they definitely would not have won as many. Because the triangle offense was was definitely good for that era. It's not good I'm for a, this era, but it was good for that one. I'm gonna give Mike the respect in saying he'd get at least one or two on his own. Yeah, yeah. With Len, with Lenny Wilkins or whoever you want to put in there, give him one or two. <laughs> yeah. Uh especially with the you know, the decline of the pistons, which we didn't even <laughs> we didn't even talk about that part yet. Um. Uh. Yeah. With the decline of the Pistons and and uh, I think the Celtics were already kind of like they out of the done. picture. Yeah. So I think yeah I think they would have won at least one or two. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> well, it's funny that you mentioned those Pistons because we go into our final part of this very false or true question. And true or false, the bad boy Pistons played a part in Michael Jordan's greatness. True. Mhm. I think so. Yeah, you have to. You have to. Um, I think that's that was the that was the. Oh, you heard you heard Jordan say, you know, in many ways that beating the Pistons was sweeter than winning the championship. Yeah. You know, so I I, I think I think that's definitely true. Okay. Okay. So I ask you guys, the final question of the day was. Isaiah Thomas in the wrong for not being the team leader in that situation to shake hands with the Bulls after losing to them. Mm. <laughs> Was he wrong? I mean, he's a. I was all right. You know that's true because he's the captain and what he says goes. So mm -hmm. if he says, "Hey, fellas, we sticking around. We're gonna dap him up afterwards." That's that was how that was gonna go. So I mean, as him being the team leader, team captain, best player, you know, he's the shortest stir the drink over there. So I'm gonna say yes, that's on him. Was he wrong? I'm. I, that's a different question. 
Yeah. Um, I think it was definitely on him, um, especially when when Michael stayed and shook their hands the previous two years. You know, I know Isaiah went on to to say, "Hey, look, the Celtics did it to us," but <laughs> I, I think knew this was I, I think that's two different things. I think those are two different things. Now, when it was you, when you were on top, and the guy you beat stayed around to shake your hand, that's ultimate sportsmanship. I, that's respect. To yep. me, I, 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 I like that. Um, but when you don't return that, when they finally beat you, that's just being a sore loser. You know. Now, what about the context behind it? Mike calling them out in the papers uh, between games three, uh, I think it was between games two and three or three and four, and saying they were, uh, you know, overrated, they're not worthy champions, so on and so forth. Does that change no. how you view that? No, because who doesn't talk trash? Like, if you if you're gonna play sports, you have to be able to have some layer of a thick skin. Your, your opponent is going to talk about you in some yeah. way, shape, or form. Whatever they say is what they say. What happens in between the lines is what happens in between the lines. <clears throat> Go on that court, play the game, win or lose, shake hands. That that's how that's how I always looked at it. Um so I don't have a I don't I don't think that uh Isaiah has much to stand on in that regard. Mm-hmm. Um now, like like Jaren said, was he wrong is a different question because uh, I would say in my eyes it was wrong because that that's that's how that's how I, I would uh, I would stay around to shake the hands and, and congratulate. I might not like it, but those are two different things. Whether you like it or or whether you do it, those are two different things. Um, you still show that respect, you know, especially when you, you, you fight a battle like that hard and, and, and end up coming up on the short end of the stick and they came up real short. They got swept. Maybe that's why they, they didn't stick around because they got swept. That's probably, that, that has to, <laughs> that has to be it. Yeah. A lot of stuff back then was, <laughs> a lot of stuff back then was just like not real, a lot of off the cuff, unwritten rules. You know, right. you know how the the Pistons played basketball is a little bit edgy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like you said, you know the Celtics had done it in the years prior, so it's just like a lot of unwritten rules, a lot of uncharted territory, and you know, it's kind of is. I think it's up to the captains to the to decide, you know, where yeah where the tide's gonna go. Yeah. Yeah, um, and, and for for Isaiah t- to say, you know, hey, he said, let's go. You're the captain. Like that's 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 on you. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. It, it, that's 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 on him. So um, yeah, ultimately that that's a bad look for him. So gentlemen, my final question for you both before we call this thing a show would be: Is Michael Jordan in the right or in the wrong? for holding a grudge to this very day against the <laughs> Pistons for being sore losers. Um, I'm petty, 
Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm petty, so like I still don't like like the guys from high school that were like my rivals. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. So I, I don't care. Go yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't care. Go ahead, you guys, forever. Like, fine by me. Yeah. yeah. No, I completely agree because because I'm petty as well. But I think I think when you're when you're a high level competitor, you have to have a, a a level of pettiness to you. I think there's I think that's just that's just a part of what goes with it. Because yeah. if if I played in, in like you said, if I played in high school against against some had a rival and you know we won and they just walked off like that, I feel I still feel some type of way about that. Yeah, most definitely. I, I I could see how that turn that comes into, you know, into fruition where years down the road you just don't care about the person. I I, I could definitely see that because it feels it feels disrespectful. And I think if Isaiah had said, it's all about how you respond to it and how you you word things. And mm-hmm. Isaiah should be making an excuse of, hey, you know, they did this to us, so we're gonna do that to them. Well, then like this is always saying f you f you f you. Forever, thirty years later, mm-hmm. you know. So uh, I think if Isaiah had said, you know, hey, you know, Bill said this, I went with it. It was the wrong thing to do, you know. We should have, you know, manned up and just took the L, like a, like men. I think if he had said that, might have been like, all right, you're right, you should have, and yeah. moved past it. But the fact that it, thirty years and they're like still trying to justify, you know, why they did it is like, okay, you know what? This is gonna be job rule fifty cent. We just we gonna fight forever. <laughs> yeah, that's a perfect, accurate description right there. Actually, that's a, that that is that is exactly who these two are right now. So yeah, ladies and gentlemen, that about does it for this edition of the sideline guys special review on episode three and four. Tune in next time for when we review episodes five and six. That'll debut this very Sunday. So, gentlemen, without further ado, I'll leave the floor for closing remarks on both of your behalfs and, of course, tell them where they can find you. It's been a pleasure, fellas. Thank you for having me on today. Uh, you guys can find me on Instagram, J- uh, JD Matt. Derek. Oh, my, my bad. I was thinking of <laughs> <laughs> The awkwardness. Gotta oh, love the yeah, awkwardness. My bad. <laughs> uh, uh, you can find me uh, Derek underscore OTS and also follow uh, OTS guys as well. Well, all right, ladies and gentlemen, this about does it. You already know where you can find your boy, All Things Life's Abotch podcast. I am your host, Dwayne Dickey. This has been another edition of the Sideline Guys. Until the next time, peace.